0: So you ready for you ready for the finale? You're ready for our final episode.
1: The fuck are you talking
0: about? It's our final episode, Vespa. Our final episode that we've recorded before we started publishing these.
1: Oh okay that's
0: <laughs> a Welcome to the the title-pendering podcast, the Sonic Comic Recap Podcast, where, while we're not as intellectual a podcast as Homestuck made this world, our recaps are going to get just as long. I'm disappointed, (laughs) and I'm joined here by my lovely partner, Knuckles Good. That's about right, yeah. Today we're going to be covering a lot. We've already figured that we're going to be splitting these into batches again, unless this goes on way too long, but at this point we're probably just going to accept these episodes are going to get longer and longer. We're probably going to do issues 25 through 33 and all the specials in between that. how you feeling right now? Just general thoughts. No need to get too deep into the weeds of opinions. I won't go into too much detail until
1: again get into it, but it's, this has been an interesting batch, for better or worse. Some yeah. good highs and terrible lows. Mm-hmm. We'll say that when we get to it.
0: Yeah, honestly, I'm going to put it at the top. I feel like this is where the pot where where the comic is starting to just spin its wheels a bit. Kinda. But let's just jump right into that. No more stalling, as I said right. before we started recording. Recap zone. Issue 25, Go Ahead, Mecha My Day. Sonic's shoes are being fit with a Sonic cam in order to keep a watch on Sonic when he's on his solo adventures. Sally made this modification because a new Zone Portal, the same type of action zones found in all Sonic games, has opened up. Revealed it by a cutaway to Robotnik to be Collision Chaos as featured in Sonic CD because this is of course a video game adaptation. Robotnik plans on sending one of his robots to kidnap Amy Rose, a fan of Sonic himself, who frequently writes into the Sonic grams, as revealed by Robotnik holding a massive bag of letters to Archie headquarters that he stole <laughs> to motivate Sonic not just by his ego towards a new zone, challenging Robotnik and all that, but also trying to free the girl, as it were. He sends a mysterious robot to kidnap her before taunting Sonic to try and challenge this mysterious new zone. Tails is sent to recon the area, and immediately gets apprehended by SWAT bots. <laughs> it's within the same page. It's it's, it's, it's <laughs> Sonic makes his way to Collision Chaos Zone, immediately getting chased down by Snively dressed as Robotnik as part of a decoy plan that honestly doesn't really amount to much into Stardust's Speedway Zone, where he's challenged to a race by none other than Metal Sonic, whom the comic erroneously refers to as Mecha Sonic. We'll be referring to him as Metal Sonic for purposes of clarity. Lord knows there's a lot of confusion over which robot doppelganger of Sonic is which. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, at the finish line for the race, the actual Robotnik reveals his plan. The finish line itself is actually a crusher, meaning that even if Sonic wins the race against Metal, he'll still be smushed and ultimately defeated. The race between Metal and Sonic continues as Rotor and Sally fly into the zone to provide backup. Sonic gains the upper hand on Metal using his new move, the Figure 8 Super Peel Out, forcing Metal to push past his own limits to keep up, destroying himself in the process. Sally does a foot dive on Robotnik to prevent him from activating the Crusher as Sonic passes by the finish line, And Sonic tricks Robotnik into standing under it in a slapstick moment, ending the comic with a splash page celebrating 25 issues. Uh, This one was... This comic sucks! I'm just gonna say it. I was really disappointed in it, honestly. (laughs) Like, (laughs) holy car moment. This comic sucks! Like, Metal Sonic is one of my favorite characters Same. in all of the Sonic canon. I I like his design a lot. I like how versatile he is as a character because you could write him many different ways. But man, he is unbelievably uninteresting in this story.
1: I mean, I kind of just chalked it up to the fact that this is the first appearance of Metal Sonic and like he... And much as I love of the guy and much as I love of his design, there wasn't much to go off of. And I'm assuming Sega probably just wanted this. Like, right, you Sega or the writers themselves just wanted it to be, like, kind of a straightforward adaptation of CD. So we get pretty much a very bare-bones version of Metal and Amy. Basically, probably what the writers just assumed they would be like and what little appearances they have in CD itself. But I, I don't entirely disagree that this issue is kind of bad. I mean, it's a shame, like, too, because it's not only a CD adaptation in Metal's and Amy's first appearance, but Spaz does the art as well. This
0: <laughs> art gets just absolutely squandered, yeah. because these are some of the worst page layouts I've ever seen in my life, it is honestly. Mess. It is almost incomprehensible at points with how everything is just cramped together there's no clear gutter for most of it and yeah. it is just
1: really hard to read honestly i think the problem is like given this is gallagher writing for it it's a much more gag heavy story than his first two stories they did earlier in the last batch the uh eve story and the follow-up to that given like, it's very clear the difference between this and how Penders writes. With Gallagher, there's a lot more just like esoteric and like wacky gags happening. Like in, like the whole Rams thing. Like the first few, first few pages are just full of gags that just kind of threw me off because I just wasn't used to... So I forgot about Gallagher's writing when I was reading through it. And it Fazianti's art, much as I love it, what he does for sonic it can get way too detailed and way too like messy i mean the layouts certainly don't help but like it's just how detailed and uh everyone looks and how the lay- the backgrounds look as well just makes it a mess to look at
0: yeah i think spaz is probably the best artist mm-hmm. here but when his art misses it misses hard. Like, sometimes characters are just put in a weird perspective. Like, in a later story, one of the characters looks like their neck just snapped off. And <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe this in a way that, like, fits for, like, an audio podcast but he has a specific way of drawing mouths sometimes yeah. that just looks <laughs> really creepy. It's sort of like a weird like bell curve sort of thing almost, or right, good I guess sweet bro and hella Jeff face. <laughs> it, You're not wrong. It just looks really creepy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing that confused me about some of the writing, like, other than just it's just much more quippy and weirdly written in ways that just don't flow well, at one point, there's a moment when Robotnik is revealing his plan to Sonic and the rest of the Freedom Fighters, and an exchange happens that just really confused me and made me linger on it for more than I needed to. <laughs> Robotnik is talking about challenging Sonic to visit Collision Chaos Zone, and so- and Sally says, no, it's a trap, why would you go there? To which Robotnik says, why Princess Sally? Isn't this a face you can trust? Have I ever lied to you? And Sally responds with, No and yes, disrespectively. And I'm like, Did you just say that Robotnik has never lied to you and you can trust him? Like, Yeah. She meant, I'm pretty sure she meant disrespectfully, but the fact that she says disrespectively just completely confused me and had me just (laughs) stuck for a moment trying to parse it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't think I hate it as much as you do, but like I definitely won't disagree that it's a very messy story, and it is kind of disappointing. Just like the whole Sonic CD stuff is just unsurprisingly limited to just the star Starlight Stardust or Starlight it's Stardust Stardust uh, Stardust Speedway chase, like probably the most iconic part of CD besides like the Majin Sonic, but that's besides the point. But, like, it's... And the race itself is probably, like, the best part of the comic. Like, it's... Where art gets to shine some. I mean, you get, like, a cool, like, two-page spread of Sonic and Metal Sonic fighting and racing along the, uh, speedway. We also... Neat little detail is, like, seen in the background. Some, like, stuff advertising for the Sega Saturn. Like, there's a billboard with the Saturn logo and, uh... Virtua Fighter main guy, Akira, I think. I forget his fucking name. I don't play Virtua Fighter. I was Fighter. gonna call
0: him Virtua Fighter guy if you didn't mention it myself. <laughs>
1: so I not worry about it. I have a very vague level of knowledge of <laughs> Virtua Fighter. Yeah, also, something that we, I wanted to bring up, the zones. What the fuck is the zones? This, this I... threw me off.
0: <laughs> brief, brief, a brief aside before we get into that, because we're gonna get into that. Um, the weird thing about the Stardust Speedway section... You noticed that the there was, like, an advertisement for a Sega Saturn. Did you notice that there's the giant building in the shape of the Japanese design of Robotnik? Yeah, it's on the cover as well. I found out the weird detail that they kept it's in. It's so out of place. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: jarring.
0: But, yeah, zones. So, for some reason, in this canon of Sonic, the zones... That Sonic goes through aren't just places in the world, they're just alternate dimensions, as it were. I do not understand why they made that
1: delineation at all. Yeah, I don't get it either. It's i'm trying to remember how the zones working like we we got zones from the games represented in like previous issues like in the first knuckle story we saw a fucking uh angel island zone in hydrosity and the like first half of that story like and it's not really treated as like oh it's a zone it's It's just an island, yeah. Yeah, it's just part of the world. Like, we have Casinopolis just be, like, a casino that Robotnik makes. Like, this whole... just It's uh, just a weird bit... Like, I'm sure I... We see the Zone things come up more in th- at least this batch of the comic, so I'm assuming w- they're going to be a re- reoccurring thing and it'll probably build up more, but, like, in these first few appearances, it just feels like, a very clunky way to try and advertise the games again. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly
0: hated it. <laughs> I yeah, really it, hated it. I just didn't um, get it. There's some odds and ends that I also enjoyed. Um... Like the bit where Tails is like, oh, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna do a a swoop down low to avoid being seen as he's scoping Robotnik. And then the literal next panel he's caught. I thought that was pretty (laughs) funny. The bit where Robotnik is announcing how both Sonic, how how both Tails and Amy are held hostage and uh, Crabmeat has a (laughs) teleprompter. Basically, (laughs) Crabmeat's acting a
1: teleprompter having cue cards. Every so often, Gallagher does have a gag that does crack me up a little, at least. Also, like, weird little detail that I noticed. Amy's outfit in this looks a little bit different from how she usually looks in the... uh, It looks like she's wearing a tank top and has,
0: like, weird shoulder poops.
1: Yeah, like, it's... The... Her, uh, classic Amy's design has, like, it clearly just looks like it's one, uh, like one thing, like just a, a shirt with poofy shoulders, but th- this, it's like a white shirt with green shoulders, like it's a small detail, like it's very insignificant, but just like a little off to me, just not what I'm used to, I suppose. Mm-hmm.
0: Also brief more aside of how I think, uh, artist artist miss. I don't like how Metal looks. Like, I'm not particularly picky on how to, like, to draw him. But there's just some pages, especially, like, the beginning of part four, where it just kind of looks rushed. Like, the perspective just feels a bit off. <laughs> I get what you mean. And I just, I was just really disappointed by that. We did get, um, the fan art section replaced with paro art, which you might not have seen because your scans you've been reading have been from the archives and so you're
1: missing some parts but For the most part. I do have like I was flipping between like archive like Sonic archives and like the original Ooh. scans of the comic. So I did see some of the like fan yeah. art and news sections. Mm-hmm.
0: But the interesting thing about this is because it's the twenty five issue, they decided to instead of having fan art have art from the various people working on the comic. Yeah, I did see that part. (laughs) Some of it is absolutely nightmarish. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Like, Desasare's art of Sonic looking like a Garfield uh, cartoon where he's washing his feet as well. (laughs) Gagliardo's art where Sonic looks like he's from a shoe commercial. In a like a very nineties okay, white that was... m- white merchandising trying to be quote gangsta style.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good way to describe it. I feel like it's a weird looking
0: sonic design. I did like how the duo of Kontorovic and Penders basically
1: just traced key art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does it just looks a little awkward. It did look like it was like from like just I can realize that it was Penders that worked on it as well. I just said, like, Kantorovic that drew it. Well,
0: no, because one of them is a, is a drawing by Kantorovic of Robotnik, right. and then on the next page is a drawing by Penders oh, of Sally. Oh, okay, yeah,
1: that's definitely traced over. <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> There's also Freddy Mendes' weird, like, 90s anti-hero Sonic. Yeah. We also get... And
0: we're not gonna cover it in too deep too much detail, unfortunately, but we do get where the off panel, like gag strips at the Sonic Rams is in like actual full force. It's actually just like a little bit of slapstick comics of the editors and staff at Archie, and that's that's pretty mm. cute.
1: Any interesting Sonic Rams from this patch? Um, I'm from this issue.
0: There are no Sonic Rams for oh, this issue right. because it's just announcement for staff changes as well as like new issues coming out. And I'm gonna say it outright, there's not really that much interesting in Sonic Rams anymore. It's mainly just people asking questions. One thing I did notice though is that because they're talking about the various people working on a the comic, they did describe Spaziante as the resident video game expert and unending <laughs> source of Sonic info who was also credit as having the idea behind a story and so i am just becoming intimately more more aware of if spaz wasn't hired there's a very real chance that archie would have had very little to do with the games
1: less than it doesn't already has so far but yeah yeah i do remember seeing that as Interesting to know. I kind I'm just kind of wondering now, just how wild things would have gone if that was the case. Like we already see, like things get kind of weird in this batch. But just imagine if they knew even less about the games, especially with just how little Sega sometimes gives them. Yeah, Christ. <laughs> I feel
0: like we would have gotten a Sonic Archie universe that would have somehow been even more insane. <laughs> But then we move on to the first of a million billion special (laughs) issues. That being Sonic and Knuckles' special issue one. Three stories here, one of which we're going to be skipping because we're going to be skipping a bunch of stories until the next episode and it's going to make sense when we get there. But for now, we move into Panic in the Sky. Angel Island, still being referred to at this point and for the foreseeable future as just the floating island, is moving to Non-Hole Village, much to the Freedom Fighters' surprise. More so for everyone other than Sonic and Tails, because apparently they never actually described what happened before in this island hedgehog to the others. It's more for comic recap's sake, but it's an interesting, confusing little bit there. Sonic, Tails, and Antoine fly over to the island, only to be quickly accosted by what appears to be new, heavy artillery attacking them. And so, Sonic and Tails' parachute drop into Angel Island, and because this is a faithful adaptation of Sonic and Knuckles... They deal with evil mushrooms swinging pendulums and axe-cutting robots before ultimately getting ambushed once more by Knuckles the Echidna. Knuckles once more believes that Sonic and Tails are behind everything, but is quickly shown that once again, it's Robotnik. They drop down into the Chaos Chamber, a crystal cavern that amplifies the powers of the Chaos Emeralds, or at least Emerald, it's just one still, to keep Angel Island afloat. Robotnik has a siphon and has been siphoning energy to power the artillery that he's mounted on Angel Island and intends on incinerating Nothole Village. Knuckles and friends are unable to destroy the siphon, and so Knuckles, in his infinite wisdom, decides to destroy the Chaos Emerald itself, causing the island to fall and forcing Robotnik to retreat all the while cackling that he, the island will still fall on top of and destroy nonhole Village. After Robotnik retreats, Knuckles reveals that he actually swapped the emerald with a fake, the latter of which he had shattered while everyone was watching. Sonic offers Knuckles to join the Freedom Fighters, but he refuses, saying he has his own responsibilities, and there's a little bit at the end, that storytelling cliche where you have the person overlaid <laughs> in the background that sort of makes it look like <laughs> Knuckles died. <laughs> um we do get another story fire drill which we will be skipping and then lord of the floating island an eclipse is going on and the animals on angel island are freaking out knuckles saves a joey from stampeding dingoes and reunites him with his mother stating that he's always here to protect and serve yeah. it, it's it's not much to talk about so that's why i just <laughs> lumped it in here I mean i thought it was an interesting story the main one it's a retread of this island hedgehog but it's got more nods to the sonic and knuckles game
1: like how that had nods to sonic 3 right it makes sense like sonic and knuckles is basically just sonic freeze second half and there really isn't much plot besides, like, continuing the plot of Sonic Free, <laughs> So it makes sense they pretty much just kind of didn't have much to go off of and pretty much just rehashed the plot of the last Knuckles story. That it still was, like, a fine enough story, like, if it is another case of... It's continuing... Actually, no, this is pretty much the first time, really, that we see the recurring plot point across the Sonic franchise of Knuckles getting duped Over, and over, and over, and over, (laughs) and over. I gotta love my boy, but Jesus Christ, they do him dirty sometimes. Not so much in this story, but I I get a little tired of seeing Knuckles' go-ability played up so much.
0: Yeah, I I imagine so. Knuckles was never my favorite character, but I can imagine that you would probably get very annoyed by that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But one thing I did note, at this point is that it's interesting to me how you can tell how much of an influence Penders and Spaziante have had over the story, and it becomes more apparent as we're continuing to phase out more episodic stories how Sonic Archie is moving on to be more and more serialized, and all the designs for the characters are more and more shifting to match the way that Spaziante designed them. Because <laughs> now everyone is drawing robotic in the same way as Spaziante and everyone is drawing, like, Sonic and Friends the same way as Spaziante though with obvious tells and differences with each person's art style.
1: And I, mm. I thought that was interesting. Agreed. Also, a small thing of note that I just find funny. Uh, you mentioned the Chaos Chamber. You've got to mention how they get into it, which is the Zoot Shoot. The Zoot Shoot? Yeah, they, they drop in. Oh, they they, pop, I love they it. pop up in a hole
0: in the ground and drop in. And it's I
1: wish I was a singing, <laughs> singing candidate. Let's <laughs> the Zoot Shoot. <laughs> Yeah, the it master all like just hidden in the Zoot shoot. It feels like they out like a Hanna Barbera cartoon <laughs> or something. Yeah, he just he just, he,
0: still... he just falls in and is, is dressed like Batman. It's like oh, wrong <laughs> shoot.
1: It feels it it it's, the name it still crops up a lot when uh, in future knuckle stories as well. At least in this batch, which is just great.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, weird because. Well, light foreshadowing the chaos chamber ends up becoming important and it's really weird how we get these stories that are getting more and more serious but it's still called the zoot shoot
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did find it kind of amusing that they basically did the whole fake emerald fake up thing that Sonic Adventure would later do several years beforehand, which I thought was kind of amusing.
0: Yeah, I thought that was was pretty cute. Like, surprisingly smart, especially given this point in the story where Sonic Adventure hasn't happened, so a lot of, like, the lore around the Chaos Emeralds hasn't been solidified yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Issue 26. Way way past cool. Sonic and friends are beating the summer heat by playing around at a local river when a snowstorm comes in out of nowhere. They quickly deduce it is the result of Robotnik's meddling and try to find a shelter in a local cave to warm up before trying to find him. They end up meeting a group of Arctic Mobians who were displaced by Robotnik's takeover of Mobius and ended up creating an own ice machine salvaging parts from Robotnik's destroyed mechs to have a small, centralized arctic zone within the cave so that they could survive being displaced from the Arctic. Sonic and friends train within this zone not to be confused with the zones found in all Sonic games to get accustomed to the temperature before staging an attack on Robotnik. Snively partially freezes everyone neck down but gets ambushed by the Arctic Mobians and Sonic gets the Arctic Mobians to launch him on a catapult towards the weather machine, which breaking the ice that contained him, and then he promptly destroys the weather machine itself. The Story ends with Sonic sending off the Arctic Mobians as they make their way back home with a renewed courage and confidence, and jokes that the Freedom Fighters should have a snowball fight before rightfully getting pelted for his insolence.
1: <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why did I write it like that? <laughs> it make the story a bit more interesting. <laughs>
0: Um, we also get fortified the gang stumble upon an old fort while exploring a mountain range and because Sonic sprained his ankle prior to the start of the story have to hold out there preparing for a stand against Robotnik and his evil robot bus that Snively has been (laughs) driving him in they repurpose some of the metals from the old wartime cannons and fashion a massive, unwieldy Iron Man-like suit of armor for Bunny, and they end up tricking Robotnik and Snively into charging Bunny, causing them to ram through a wall as she uses her extendo legs, and the two villains are sent hurtling down a mountain.
1: This comic first sucks. First things
0: first, where the fuck did Snively... <laughs> First things first, where the fuck did Sally's vest go? It just disappeared again. Uh, well,
1: back in the Fort story, so... Yeah, yeah I, I,
0: I also did not like this issue either. It was just really boring,
1: honestly. I was just really disappointed, because... Like, I thought, I didn't dislike CD as much as you, the CD adaptation as much as you did, and I really liked the Sonic and Knuckles comic. But this one just felt like like it kind of stops the momentum that we were kind of going on for a second there and just hits us with something that feels out of, like, the earlier batch. However, like, the most, like, important thing, I guess, is we see another group of freedom fighters again, the, the Arctic batch, but, like, I mean, the Arctic group, but... Not even freedom like, fighters. They're just Movians. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair point. It's just... It's really not an interesting story. Like, it's a pretty typical sudden weather change by the villain kind of plot and then the second story is there. There, yeah. was, I, there was... I was just so bored reading through Like, I, What I was thinking like when I was reading through this, we need, just need to like, flip through this story as fast as possible because I, I have nothing to add.
0: Yeah, no. There was some interesting fan art that I did show you oh, earlier yeah? that is... Um, I did like the fan art. <laughs> it's a piece from Joshua McGill in... Windsor Heights. Why well, does every time we get to fan art or Sonic Rams, it's always a state that I don't always recognize the name? WV? West, West Virginia, I think. Yeah, anyway, it's a drawing of Sonic looking helpless as he's being cornered <laughs> by King Gong, Eve, Universe Salamander, Termite Nader, and Pseudo Sonic. And I was like, holy
1: shit! <laughs> Yeah, I thought like, that was a really cute piece of fan art.
0: They're all drawn very on-model, aside from, like, maybe Pseudo-Sonic and, and Sonic himself, who looks a bit scraggly. And I, I was just like, what kind of kid thought I'd saw that nightmare Fuel d- disco ball eyes of Eve and decided, I'm going to
1: draw that? That is pretty damn impressive. Like, it doesn't say how old the person that sent this in is, but still, like, <laughs> the, yeah. Eve is a pretty... It's the brain version of Eve as well, not like one of her uh, earlier transformations. That's pretty impressive. If that was like a kid or like teenager that drew drew wow. them, that <laughs> generally was like the most interesting part of the issue to me. This is the <laughs> mental image of the five being like the uh, some sort of like fearsome five or whatever to Sonic, yeah. like, even though they are a very it's a very eclectic bunch of villains. One of which that reformed at the end of their story. And one of which uh, technically died. Yes. <laughs> and, like both um, of these are dead, basically. Like the Terminator, like the Termite Nader, or whatever he's pronounced, like was still around at the end of his story. Pseudosonic was trash. Universe Salmander has died twice now. And King <laughs> Gong was just presumably destroyed and scrapped at the end of his story when like he falls. <laughs>
0: One thing that did amuse me, though, was the whole bit in Fortified in which Robotnik just has an evil tour bus that that simply drives him around in. That was was pretty good. (laughs) The
1: one Um, bit of that story that, like, stuck out to me, the stupid, like, tour bus thing that he uses to scale the forest.
0: Not much interesting in sonograms, as is the unfortunate norm here, but mm. we do get Knack being mentioned as we're going to be leading into the triple Trouble special. But this time he is referred to with just an N and not with a Kn as is the PlayStation mascot, our Lord and Savior Knack. I'm cutting that out. I'm not. Kidding. I'm not saying that on on Thank the Thank you. Thank you.
1: I was worried you were going to bring up fucking PS4 Knack at some point, honestly. <laughs> when we were talking about Knack as in we Yeah,
0: well, fuck you, Vespa, you nerd. I'm keeping this in anyway. You won't even notice because you don't listen to these podcasts back in post. Why am I editing this at 6.35 in the morning? Um... Also, I didn't know you were a Canadian, Vespa. What? I also didn't know your name was Peter. Because there was, in fact, someone in the Sonic Rams. I'm not going to read it because it's not that noteworthy. But there was someone from Canada who wrote in to complain about how Bunny barely appears at all in these <laughs> stories. So, yeah. Didn't know you were Canadian. So...
1: <laughs> hey, someone um... agrees with me. <laughs>
0: Triple Trouble number one, with the titular story leading us in. Robotnik has in his possession a Chaos Emerald, but through bumbling between him and Crabmeat, gets destroyed in an explosion and split in two. He calls up Bounty Hunters R Us to hire someone to retrieve the Emerald Shards before anyone else can. One of the emeralds lands in the Great Forest, creating a new zone, the same type of action zones found in all Sonic games, Ugh. and Sonic chases off to explore it. We see a mysterious purple figure lurking in the distance as he does so. <laughs> Meanwhile, Knuckles is woken up by the other emerald shard crashing into Mount Osohai, one of the mountains in the Dragon Spine oh, so Mountain Range. Uh, it's one of those ones where you don't get it until you read it out loud. ...and goes over to investigate. He gets knocked out by Stray Rock. Sonic ends up <laughs> entering a funhouse... knuckled. <laughs> Sonic ends up entering a funhouse-style entrance... ...towards Triple Trouble... ...being followed in secret... ...by the Purple Bouncy Hunter from earlier. Because this is billed as a faithful adaptation... ...of the Sonic Triple Trouble game... ...playable on your Sega Game Gear... ...we get a two-page montage of Sonic... ...going through every zone in said game... ...and ends up in a Chaos Emerald Chamber using his figure-eight super peel-out as featured in issue 25 to get to it before... Well, it's not quite certain. He just says he just made it, using his figure-eight super peel-out featured in issue 25, as previously mentioned. In any case, he gets ambushed and knocked out by the bounty hunter, revealing himself to be Knack the Weasel. Knack extorts Robotnik into paying him more for the second half of the Chaos Emerald and heads off in a sky cycle for Angel Island. Meanwhile, Knuckles wakes up from his unconsciousness and finds out that he's been nursed to health by the Ancient Walkers, a trio of racially insensitive witch doctor Mobians because this is a comic from the 90s. You know they're problematic. We know they're problematic. Ugh. Let's just move on from now, otherwise we'll be here all day. Fair. The Ancient Walkers paint on a cave wall and explain that the Chaos Emeralds naturally magnetize towards each other and that if one of the half shards splits even further than that, becoming a quarter shard, it would likely cause an explosion of energy that could destroy the entire island. One of the ancient walkers makes Knuckles smell from the bowl and causes them to immediately wake nearby Knack, whom he quickly dispatches up by punching him in the face and causing him to fall unconscious. Sonic bursts out of Knack's sky cycle and attacks Knuckles for basically no reason. The two fight only to notice that Robotnik is calling in from Knack's wrist communicator for a status report. The two promptly weaken at Bernie's Knack into placating <laughs> Robotnik before promptly going down to zoot chute to reunite the two halves of the emerald together. It disappears, and the two are teleported back to the surface of Angel Island. Though the two don't trust each other, Sonic departs from Knuckles with Knack in tow, and the ancient walkers are shown to celebrate a prophecy being fulfilled, starting a new cycle as they themselves come into possession of the Chaos Emerald.
1: The fucking Chaos Emerald lore is so weird in this comic so far submersible
0: rehearsal tails has a submarine built for him by rotor only to be revealed that it's not functional as it lacks oil frustrated that he's being treated like a kid as it's revealed in a later sonic gram that tails is ten years old now and not five it's we'll get into that.
1: Right, it's tails, you realize
0: that tails makes the storm off in a frustrated huff but finds a seagull covered in oil that fled from one of Robotnik's underwater roboticizers. Tails squeezes the oil from the seagull off-screen, thankfully, to power his submarine and ends up easily dispatching of the Octobot as well as the roboticizer. And then there's another story that we're skipping here. Yeah. (laughs) Why is
1: the comic racist, Vespa? Because it's the 90s and for whatever reason, which doctors were a very popular subject to like to represent natives I suppose I uh, I did
0: Something we also realized way later if Knuckles is meant to be Australian at this point in the comic doesn't that make the ancient walkers aboriginal stereotyping
1: I knew there's some problematic stuff or in these early issues, but I did not know about the, these guys beforehand. <laughs> I didn't either. I'm gonna be perfectly so I honest. I got like shocked. I was shocked when I saw like those fuckers when we when they appear in the Triple Trouble story. Just... Yeah, we ended up both putting in massive text something
0: to the effect of, "Oh no, we're getting racist again."
1: Yeah. Although I just I remember noticing. On one of their necklaces of the Witch Doctor guys, it looks like it has, like, the logo of, like, a car company. I forget which one, but, like, it's the green guy. Yeah, it just looks like the Prius logo. <laughs> Prius, yeah. I just kind of chalked it up to, like, dumb j- like dumb joke, because, like, they probably, like, as a native symbol, they just decide, oh, it's front of the car logo. Ha ha. Like, if that's what their intention is. That.
0: Also, again, we mentioned it in episode zero, don't harass anyone. These are just right. people, and these were just trends in the 90s. Like, we we're all getting worked up, but this is all in mostly good yeah. fun, while also being very critical of bad stuff. Also, this wasn't written by Penders, it was written by Gallagher, so <laughs> it's not even just a matter of, oh, Ken Penders is a racist, because it's... we'll get to that later on, <laughs> but no, this was Gallagher's
1: fault. <laughs> yeah... Putting that shit aside, I, I kind of like this issue. Like, I, I can't say partially why because it relates to one of the stories that we cannot talk about yet. Like, the Triple Trouble story is, for the most part, pretty alright. But I still have some other qualms, like the fucking Zones aspect and the Chaos Emerald lore is just <laughs> bewildering to me. I do not understand what they are doing with this and, like, I think I said it to you. I don't know how much of the weird lore they've come up with for the emeralds and zones come from who. Like I'm assuming, I guess Gallagher was the ones that came up with this, or maybe like they were come together, like like sync up the stuff. I don't know. Mm. But like the zones thing in this, I like get they change up the rules again because it's not just like a singular zone that Robotnik makes. It is the entirety of Triple Trouble. Like it's it creates this like little. Like carnival attraction thing, and if you can call yeah, it the... "Welcome to Triple Trouble," it's really stupid. <laughs> it's it's clearly just something that they forced in to advertise the the latest Game Gear game. It's... I mean I do think at this point, like with what
0: we later see, it does seem to be solidified that zones are made by Chaos Emeralds, as right. stupid as that is.
1: But I'm also just kind of wondering, like, how the hell did Robotnik get his hands on an emerald at the start of this? Given that it seemed like... Don't worry about it. Yeah, fair enough. Also, one thing I want to bring up about the Triple Trouble Zone. At the end of the, like, little montage thing, we see, a, like, I guess like a replica of Robotnik or something. Like, it's it's seen in the Zone's creation as well. You can see, like, a little Robotnik in a some sort of spaceship flying by the Zone is being made. And also, well, for one thing, what is this Robotnik? Like, there's a, there's now just like a second Robotnik That released. This Town like a Toontown cog. Yeah, and also, uh, something I found kind of funny. He calls him, he says, as he like destroys uh, Robotnik at the end, there's nothing like right, oh, Eggman. Wait, yeah! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> first like appearance think... of Eggman in the, uh, well, one of the first, uh, appearances of
0: Eggman in the West. I like to think that Spaziante just played the Game Gear game with everyone else just huddled by him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, also, something that's going to crop up a lot in this comic—they really like to remind you of the Super Peel out from issue twenty-five. Just gotta yeah. they'd really want to sell you on that Super Peel out shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably, like why people give a shit about the stupid thing, like, I, it's a neat looking move, but like, it just seems like, it's, I, it just also doesn't feel like a
0: power move, it's just, he, he, he moves his feet fast, like, they don't yeah. really explain how it's different from anything other than he moves faster.
1: Yeah, it's, it's dumb. And also, we got, I, got I want to talk about Nag, because he's one of my, he's always been one of my favorite, of like, at least the classic since classics now it's own universe, fuck you, Sega. It's, <laughs> he's always been one of my favorite... He's, he's always been one of my favorite Sonic characters since I first saw him. But because I never had... Like, unsurprisingly, I didn't have a Game Gear and I only, like, briefly borrowed it from a friend who only had Sonic 2 on it. And Damn, because, how can you say you're a fan of Nag the Weasel when you don't even own a Game Gear to play his <laughs> game on? Hey, I have Sonic the Fires on Xbox. That, that's Damn. enough. I I never knew for years just how much of an absolute chump Fang is like, uh, part of me wants to be upset like how, like can they they knock him out like halfway through the story like he shows, like they can't at him for the first half and then like when like uh, in the third uh, part of the story when he kidnaps Sonic, he immediately gets knocked out by Knuckles and is out of, uh, pretty much out of the story for the rest of it and on one hand, I'm gonna be bummed about that we didn't get a proper Fang knack, fight, whatever you want to call him. On uh, the other hand, knowing what he was like in Triple Trouble, given like he doesn't really appear that much and only appears in the special stages where he's, and for the most part in the game he's played off as kind of just a bumbling dumbass who comically uh, foils himself. I feel like it fits, unfortunately. <laughs> like as much as I love he is a total chump, and I'm. I've, I've, and lo- what little we've seen of superstars, even though it seems like he's going to be a bit more of a threat, he's still kind of a chump, and now he's tri- uh, saddled with an even bigger chump and, and trip. That's going to be a lot of fun.
0: One interesting thing I like about him is that he seems the most competent of anyone in the series thus far, given he is repeatedly, he will repeatedly get one over on Sonic, but the problem with him is that he's not able to keep that one over on Sonic. Yeah. Because he knocks him out. He just gets knocked out right
1: after. Yeah. Um, I and also. Like, I was going to say, like, I was, gonna, I was about to say, like, maybe it's because he can't use the gun, but, like, we see people using guns, like, before and after this, so. Mm. I also do
0: not like how he's drawn here. He looks <coughs> really weird. I think Spassiante is the only artist that does him credit. This is just showing the demographic I'm a part of. He looks like a reject from Jetpack Pets, the car like the comics from the Disney Adventure magazines.
1: Okay, that's something I ain't I I've
0: heard of. <laughs> like, I'll send it to Vespa, but he he, he just looks like Princess from Jetpack Pets. Like, that is that with is the a, a weird like cone nose.
1: Wait, I think I, maybe I have seen this before somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> Like, it just looks very goofy, very pop art compared to,
0: like, every other character, and it's just a bit jarring to me in comparison. Also, damn it, I hate that the Ancient Walkers are cute, given they're very
1: not okay (laughs) for the matter of existing. I would say this about the Ancient Walkers, at least they don't talk, like, so we don't have any sort of racist tribal speak written by an American. So there's that, at least... Um, One
0: I do believe this is the debut of Pender's art, but unfortunately, again, we can't talk about it. It looks okay. Like, people usually, like, rag on Pender's for his art style. Now, his art style was fine back then. It just looked like everyone else's, except characters are a bit, like, wide.
1: I was gonna say, they're a little too on model, especially with, like, knuckles. It's
0: more that for me, it's more that they just have like vacant stairs, Mm. and honestly, I disagree with you saying they're too on model as oh, we'll get okay. into a later story in this batch,
1: I think. I mean fair. Like I guess it's lar- like less on model, more just traced. Also we understandably we don't have much to say about the Tails story. Like the m- most interesting thing of note is it's the introduction of the Sea Fox, which is a, a vehicle that Tails has in some of the game gear games including Triple Trouble. I thought it was kinda yeah. neat to see. Yeah, I
0: thought that was cute. You know fuck it, I will I will let you have this Mm -hmm. uh, The way Penders draws and depicts Vector in the story that we're skipping over is just really goofy.
1: (laughs) It's just really fucking silly looking. There's a great panel of shot of him at the end with, like, knuckles, like, a thing over a cliff. It's dimly lit. And then you just see, like, a tiny, like, correctly colored (laughs) Vector. He's meant to be... He's meant to be like, uh, it's meant to be the characters like cloaked in
0: shadow because right. it's nighttime, but then Vector is just completely lit up. It's really weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's really fucking funny.
1: Like, it looks like it's a, like a tense moment at all. And then you just see this cartoon crocodile going, hey, Knuckles, what's up? Knuckles, yeah. <laughs> no, um, what's up, my man? You're way too quiet. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do like the hero's Vector. yeah. yeah.
0: I get that. We get into issue 27 now a scrambled hedgehog. Oh, no. Two spies for the Freedom Fighters, both inexplicably named after Sir Mixolot and Snoop Doggy Dog. You can probably guess what one of them's race is. We've coded information on a wall <sighs> in Robotropolis. Sonic moves in to pick up this message and learn like the information, they're meant to be spies, but is quickly ambushed by SWAT bots and knocked out. It's revealed at Robotnik's base that he has amnesia, and Robotnik quickly realizes that he can use this to his advantage, quickly convincing Sonic that he's their mentor and that the Freedom Fighters are evil insurgents. After training on the robot duplicates left over from the Sally miniseries, Sonic is sent off to find Knothole Village with Robotnik's demolition tractors homing in on them to follow after the location has been confirmed. Not remembering where Knothole is, Sonic finds the tree stump that leads to the base, and the Freedom Fighters try in vain to stop Sonic from reaching the base. This leads then into issue 28, Saturday Night's Alright for a Fight. Sonic fights off the various Freedom Fighters, including what I've dubbed the Neo-Freedom Fighters being the members from the Sally miniseries. Penelope the Porcupine ultimately ends up knocking out Sonic in an ambush, and his memory is restored as he comes to. Sonic then tricks Robotnik into sending his demolishers off a
1: cliff. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> I thought it was an alright story. Like, it's not one of my favorites. Like, I think I'd like it more if the arcs better.
0: I actually... I actually really liked this story. I thought yeah. it was fun seeing a story in which, like, there feels like there's actual momentum and stakes mm-hmm. in which Sonic is convinced that the Freedom Fighters are evil and all that. Yeah. I did feel like it ends up deflating a bit in issue 28 because they're very easily able to save the day after... The freedom neo freedom fighters come in. I was not expecting them to come back. Yeah,
1: Same here. I'm going to refer to them as like the junior freedom fighters. I felt like mm-hmm. that fits them more, given the rookies. But yeah, it was their appearance was something. I suppose. <laughs> uh, I um, I do like the story. I just wish the art. I don't like the artist for like the art for these two issues, and then I also really wish. It's sleeps, donkey talk, and kicks a lot for not a fucking thing. I remember this is one of the panels I've been spoiled on through Thanks Ken Penders. I remember just seeing, like, I saw it out of context, just wondering, like, what the fuck am I looking at? Why is he Sonic? Is this the same? Why? they? L- it looks like just two regular ass, like, human side, or because, like, they're in the. The SWAT bot suits, I guess it makes them taller, as tall as, like, the SWAT bot. But just these, like, two, like, human-sized, like, realistically, like, drawn dogs. And it just looks so weird, especially with these fucking names. <sighs> like, the story, it's, like, a pretty typical, like, amnesia, uh, swap side kind of story. But, like, it's still fun to see the Freedom Fighters get put on the ropes in, like, Sonic... Having to be a threat for them, as well as just the fact that now they've seemed to it seems to solidify that like it's not just not always not just a little stump in the ground. It is a full-on village, as like we see in Sarim.
0: Yeah, and also the hmm. the tunnels that lead into. Not hole as a base have been greatly expanded upon because that's part of the conflict is trying to stop Sonic before he gets to the base. It's not just
1: a slip and slide anymore. Yeah, that's a good um, point. I didn't even think about that part. Oh, yeah, there's also a pro uh, A line that kind of cracked me up. Uh, like It's one of those like uh, transition lines. It's Robotnik going, You know, Simbly, now I remember why I prefer crab meat over you. <laughs> <laughs> right? I get it, it's that really did get a good, good laugh out I, of me.
0: I, 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 I'm Not glad Robotnik agrees that crab meat is the best. <laughs> um, we did get some weird rams. nothing that I'd need to read out particularly other than there's one person who was a fan of Robotnik, I believe one person saying that Sonic should run for president, and then <sighs> one person asked what nationality Jeffrey is, and despite being very James Bond-coded, he's referred to as Australian, and I was like, What? <laughs> but Pender said he's British.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's meant to be a British actor when we see him in the mini series. I was, it, I was just so confused. Like, if he um, meant to be Australian, you probably have like the the hat and vest of like the typical Australian stereotype. Uh,
0: we also have Freddie Mendez leaving as editor because he's moving on to like other sections of Archie, which mm-hmm. was interesting. He, ba- he basically did not. <laughs> work on that much before leaving, but, you know, it was interesting to me. Uh... And then we get into the other story, which we're going to lump together as well, because otherwise it's just gonna be a bit weird. We have Growing Pains, which starts in issue 28 and moves on to issue 29. Tails, upset that Sonic beat him up in the previous story despite the extenuating circumstances, leaves in his submarine and stumbles upon an island where, because Robotnik was spying on him, a trap awaits in the form of a leftover duplicate robot from the Sally miniseries, fashioned to resemble a fox girl named Fiona. The two quickly fall in love, montage ensues, <laughs> and then Tails is taken to robotizer. roboticizer, is revealed, of course, Fiona's a robot. Tails ends up destroying the roboticizer by jamming it with his two Tails, even though it's not how roboticizers work, um, and then gets attacked by Fiona. Tails dispatches a robotic by swinging an entire-ass palm tree into him, and then gets chased by Fiona into the river, who rusts in the middle of trying to drown Tails. Tails leaves off to adventure on his own, separate from the Freedom Fighters, as a motionless Fiona cries to herself that she's alone. I don't care I about the story. I
1: story so much.
0: It's really bad, and it also made me uncomfortable at points, because yeah. the jokes they made with Fiona attacking Tails, which I realize fully that I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but as someone who's dealt with abuse in relationships before
1: made me very uncomfortable. I didn't... Like, I was just so checked out as soon as Fiona showed up that I I was barely paying attention. I didn't even realize it until you brought that up after the fact. And that just made the story so much worse to me. I I fucking hate this story so much. This is... It's...
0: I I don't hate it as much as you, but as mentioned, it did make me really
1: uncomfortable for my own personal reasons. I get, I can definitely get that. Like for me, I just found it fucking annoying and weird. It just. And also at the time I didn't realize Tails was meant to now be ten, so uh, just weird seeing like a five-year-old fall in love with a fem- uh, a girl fox. And also, Fiona's design is basically tail, like a female red version of Tails with a hairdo and bow. Kind of, I would like, say
0: more. It's what if sally was like what if the orange and black haired sally what from from the mini series was a fox
1: um, <laughs> that's a good point i guess it's like yeah, the, the tails Sa- like a tails and sally robot like combined together given <laughs> these um, the duplicates from the sally mini series i'll move this point here because it's
0: prescient but according to the sonic grams the reason Tails is ten years old now is because of when he ate from the Tree of Wisdom way earlier that after its effects wore off, Tails was aged to be five years older. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I don't know. That is horrifying. <laughs> just, In fact, what? let me just read this off to you so you can understand <sighs> it. Um, I, I never
1: knew this before.
0: Let's see, so... Someone is asking why Tails is ten in the cartoon, but five in the comics, and so they say, Tails is both, sort of. Now, you're probably Uh. wondering, how is that possible, Sonic? Oh, God, because it's written, it's meant to be written from the perspective of Sonic. Oh, yeah. Let me explain. Tails used to be five years old, both body and mind. That was until he ate that last apple from the Tree of Wisdom, and he became some kind of super brain from issue 14. When he became himself again, he found out that eating the apple had a side effect. Tails had grown five years of his life, now making him ten years old, body and mind. What? Wow. What Wow, the... I'd have to be some kind of super brain to explain it so you can understand it. I think I did a pretty good
1: job, right guys? Guys? I really <laughs> hope that's not- I hope that's not canon, it's meant to be a joke, cause holy shit, that is really messed up! What the fuck? <laughs> I never knew that before. <laughs> that is... I wish I didn't. I just wish that they just said... He's just 10 now. I, I one of the few times I wish they didn't give an explanation for the retcon. <laughs> that is just so... That is terrifying. <laughs> I was going to say, like, oh, he's, like, 10 years older of mine, but, five, like, still the body of a... Of his five-year-old age, but no, he's... He aged... Somehow the brain fruit aged him five years as well. Like, I'm trying to remember, like, what Rotor said about that fruit in the issue. It came out, like, like, how long he had to wait. Well, it just makes me wonder, like, if, like... If he... I forget, like, how long he said, like, he had to wait for the fruit to ripen or whatever... But it does just make me wonder, like, since I think Rotor's meant to be like a teenager along with the rest of mo- the majority of the Freedom Fighters. Like, would that make him like a grown ass man? Like in if like the whole five year like Yeah, just
0: continued skip- accelerating aging till it's just yeah. ends up having to go through a microwave hallway and all that. Like, like I don't I don't get why they thought this was a good idea. It's I, really yeah, weird. Like-
1: the way that they, like, frame it at the end, it makes me hope that it's just, like, a jokey thing. Because it's... At least so far, that's never been brought up in the comics. Huh. Oh, that is so weird. One last thing I want to talk about. Like, this is the point when Gallagher's sense of humor just really started to wear on me. And just how jarring it feels at times. Like, it gets worse, I feel in some of the later issues of this Dispatch, but, like, there's a lot of points where, like, the comic just stops for, like, some sort of reference or gag, and, like, one of the ones that just stood out to me as weird was, like, there's a bit where we cut to Robotnik monologuing, and then there's just, like, a reference to, like, him bringing up Alfred Hitchcock to s- talk about the MacGuffin, and they do the Alfred Hitchcock Presents Shadow gag... Yeah. Kids are gonna love that. I don't. I know. Like animatics have done that as well. Like in the nineties, but like, it just felt distracting to me. <laughs> I don't think it was that bad, yeah. honestly. It's it's just a
0: weird bit for indulgent yeah. uh, writers. Like we've had that with penners yeah, before. Just, We're gonna keep having that I know, afterwards. It
1: just gets annoying sometimes. Oh. <laughs> uh. Uh, well, And this is also a lead-in to the Tales miniseries, which we'll regretfully get into later. Damn, Uh, you really don't like that. Anyway, issue
0: 29, proper, Steel-Belted Sally. I really, leading into this, I genuinely was disappointed that Sonic was knocked out and everything was fine, given I thought it was going to directly lead into this issue, because the cover is of Sally directly getting roboticized, and I thought, oh, that's going to be interesting. Um, but no, we're given a brief introduction of Dulcie the Dragon from Sad AM Season 2, which we'll cover in the next episode, the next bonus episode, as we wrap up the Sad AM miniseries. (laughs) Which, to clarify, will be out on the 28th, because we recorded this episode and the next in the same batch, and I just want to make sure we don't accidentally spoil anything by putting it out on the 21st instead. But in any case, Dulcie flies around Sonic and they stumble upon a crashed Robotnik hovercraft, which contains a de-roboticizer that later on is sus to have at least one charge's worth of power. Bunny turns down the idea of being de-roboticized and instead gets the absolutely asinine plan to instead have one of the other freedom fighters fully roboticized and have them spy on Robotnik which Sally promptly thinks is a brilliant idea and offers herself as a subject. Rotor, Rotor fashions a neuro overrider so that Sally can keep her autonomy whilst getting roboticized, implying that she was willing to get herself roboticized without even knowing that this was a thing that could be made for her, and then sets off for Robotropolis. Sally gets roboticized and a neuro overrider is removed immediately. Brilliant. Sonic and the Freedom Fighters head to Robotnik's lair to meet up with Sally, only to get accosted by her and sent to the roboticizing chambers. It's revealed that the de was was not held in any of their possessions, but was instead held by Dulcie, who wasn't even going to be part of this mission, but ended up heading towards Robotropolis just thinking something was up. Dulcie swoops in and de-roboticizes Sally, and then the group go back to Knothole having accomplished nothing. Let me me get a Foley prop.
1: Hold on. Oh, no.
0: This comic sucks.
1: (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) If you can't tell, she's been watching a lot of Linkara recently. Hilariously enough, it is
0: (laughs) another Ken Penders work I just threw down that we'll get into way later.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is also a part of the tale story, so I'm kind of inclined to agree by... The association of that shit being a, a part of this. But, yeah, I... It was kind of saying, like, I was when I was reading through this, I didn't really think it was that bad at first until I got to the part where I realized, oh, my God, they're like... It's Dulcy. Wait a minute. And I, I think you also mentioned why you hated this issue so much at the same time. It just kind of made me... It just had this domino effect of realizing, wow, this is a really stupid plot.
0: It's just such an asinine plan. I don't understand why any of it made sense to anyone... Or how they managed to go through with it. I just... I was just so annoyed by it. I had... Like, as yeah, me. <laughs> as uh, as Vespa mentioned, I had a bit of a combine harvester moment in which I was just like I literally wrote down What the fuck is this plan? Why are they not using the roboticizer on Uncle Chuck? Why are they letting Sally get a roboticizer? What this this accomplish? What is going on? Why, why, what, why? <laughs> like I <laughs> Like, like, yeah. I really got really upset reading this, and I realize that I'm getting upset at a children's cartoon comic, but like,
1: yeah, it was so dumb. It is. It's it's really dumb. It. Just, I feel like the only reason this story exists is to have Dulcie be introduced and in save the day in a very clumsy and awkward way. But I just, I I know that like that uh, Dulce is not a fan favorite and that she's kind of an like an annoying like, I we've not yet watched that AM season 2 yet but I know at least that Dulcie's like meant to be like the comical like kid appeal like comic relief character who's like very bumbling but like a in a sweet way and a lot of fans are yeah she's like a cat <laughs> like I gotta know a lot of well she's a lot sweeter than a cat I'd say <laughs> the average cat <laughs> That's not fair. I do have some sweet cats. But, like, getting aside to the point, I think she's, at least in this story, fine. Like, I know a lot of Sonic fans aren't a fan of her inclusion, especially just how awkwardly she's introduced in season two. Like, just kind of drop her in, like, a, the, the dragon's fire. The freedom fires now. Accept it. <laughs> it is a weird thing to just suddenly drop a completely brand new character and one that is a dragon. <laughs> Until, uh, like, the start of a seasonal release and the start of, like, a a new issue of Sonic. Since we get a bit of her backstory, but we don't get an explanation as to how she met the Freedom Fire. It's just more... And then she met up at the Freedom Fires, and back to the present day. Yeah, I... It's, uh, <laughs> it uh, just feels so
0: crowbarred in, honestly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Other things from the Rams I didn't mention. it's meant... Dylan, from the miniseries, which I didn't understand what they were. Yes, they're a porcupine. I think we mentioned it as well, but Antoine is 18, which just absolutely baffles me. Um, Bunny is listed as from the southern quadrant of Mobius, so she's from the south. Uh, and it's confirmed okay, that enough. Boomer was the nickname for Rotor... Made to make fun of his voice when everyone was kids. And it's elaborated on in a later sonogram that it's because he had a loud, booming voice. Which, if you watch Sad AM, no
1: he doesn't. Now, I was just assuming, like, the... I remember hearing the thing about, like, Boomer was his nickname as, like, a retcon later on. But I was just assuming, like, it was because, like... Like, he was, like, a bumbling inventor and, like, his stuff would go boom a lot by acting. Because he's a kid and, like, didn't know better at the time to make inventions and stuff, not because he apparently has a booming voice, which he doesn't even really have in the present day either. It's a weird way to explain it, but all right.
0: All right. <laughs> Speaking of all right, Vespa's not all right, because we're about to get into Tales oh, God, number do, yes. one.
1: Fucking <sighs> Tales series. Are we going to talk, tackle this like issue by issue or the full no. thing? We're going to just do it all at once. Good. Like we did with the
0: Sally miniseries. Um... Booger, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I feel about the tail spinning
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Southern crossover. Robotic begins sending off a cloaked blimp of supplies and SWAT bots to his regional robo-underboss in the land of Down Under. Tails Mm. stumbles into this blimp as it's revealed that the cloaking device does not work from underneath. Remember that Tails is just meandering about on his submarine in the ocean because he's upset with how he's being treated like a kid and promptly gets attacked by SWAT bots as well as the Octobot from earlier. He's left to drown as we cut to a conversation between Robotnik and underboss Crocbot, and it's learned that the latter intends to betray the former and take over the world himself. Cutting back to Tails, he's quickly saved by the 40 Fathoms Freedom Fighters, who barely play a part in this story, so we're not going to linger on their names. <laughs> <laughs> the, F- the F4 take Tails to Down Under, only for him to be quickly accosted by Wing dingoes, crockbots own robot militia the down unduff freedom fighters quickly step in to save the day and give us their names via the writer's cliche of making sure each person mentions the person they're responding to in conversation by their full name we have (laughs) wombat stew guru emu the hippie stereotype barbie koala the girl duck bill the platypus and their leader walt wallaby a winged dingo swoops in and kidnaps wombat stew Crockbot removes the cloaking device on the blimp and begins war with the DFF. Tails wakes up in a crater being taken there by Walt and stumbles into the fucking ancient walkers again because god fucking Joy. damn it, we can't have nice things here. This time, however, we're met alongside Authayer, an echidna who later reveals himself to be the great grandfather of Knuckles. Athair describes backstory for the Echidna ancestors involving science, meteors, and a reason Angel Island is floating, but we're saving that for when we get to the Knuckles plot we've been continually skipping. Speaking (laughs) of skipping Echidna lore, Tails is having none of this racist bullshit and tries to make his way out, only to be forced to learn about the creation myth of Mobius being the evolutionary story of primordial ooze evolving into dinosaurs, but instead of meteors, it's chaos emeralds crashing through the sky. The Chaos Emeralds are being described as having inspired cultural wonders, pagan worship, technological advances, as well as being having the potential for being used as weapons of mass destructions. We're given Chosen One bullshit about how one will gather the emeralds and the great harmony will begin. Atheir and the Ancient Walkers disappear as Barbie literally crashes into the scene having being attacked by the C.D. Rom-Ram the evil robot that the (sighs) Crocbot has been sending off against the DFF that we skipped over a scene in in accounting parts of this ancient prophecy storyline that are unique to this issue. The group quickly dispatches the CD-ROM-RAM and end up destroying the blimp as well. Crockbot tries to chase after them with a tank, but the hippie stereotype ends up... sneeding him, careening into the crater from before blowing up in a nuclear explosion that forms a mushroom cloud in a shape of air. Tails leaves Nothole after celebrating victory with the DFF and the 4F. I didn't actually uh, okay. hate this. Okay,
1: <laughs> to be fair, like, I don't like this story as much, but, like, remembering it, like, I think it's because I just lumped the whole setup thing of, like, the Fiona Fox story with it in my mind. That's kind of what, like, Part of why I just didn't like this because I just I feel like that's just a part of the mini series as well. But like, the mini series is all right. I and mean, it's also just the fact that I don't, as I said before, I just find Gallagher's gags annoying to deal with, and I also just do not like the whole, the racist ass Echidna design and ancient walkers, and like the lore of like that he brings up. We'll get into later, but like it's just so weird and. We, it's. I'll say my. I guess we can say my thoughts for that when we get to the Echidna stuff. But I, I wasn't a fan of some aspects of the Echidna lore that we learned, It's sad fair. to say. But also, I just find Gal. Gallag- like I said, this was the point when Gallagher's humor was really starting to get tiring for me. Like the yeah. fucking CD, RAM, ROM, ROM, RAM.
0: And it's something it's so we dumb. learned
1: between episodes
0: that I've been waiting for a good moment to mention it. Gallagher is mostly known for writing
1: issues of MAD. Yeah, and when you brought that up to me, like, earlier this week, it just made everything fit together. Like, I don't know how much you have experienced that. I know both of us have watched the MAD cartoon, but I don't know how much of it, of the comics and ma- (laughs) The comics and magazine- the comics and magazine of M.A.D. that you've experienced... Like, I, I am not, like, very familiar with it as well. But, like, I did read, like, some collections of it growing up. And I would read the occasional issue. But I've just never really been a fan of M.A.D. And to explain what M.A.D. is for those at home that don't know... At least the, the comic magazine itself. It, it was basically, like, an old magazine that would parody and lampoon culture of the time. Though it also had... A lot of just really lame, shallow parodies of whatever's relevant at the time. Think the two thousands movie movie craze of Seltzerberg, but like even more shallow and mean. Just as, but just as mean. But I just also gave us spies versus spy, so it's not all bad. <laughs> yeah, like when you brought that up, like it made so much sense to me. Like, the, like the really corny gags, the puns. the the sense of humor as well as like stuff like that I forget which issue it was the one where Sonic beats up all the robots based after other comic books uh, like the uh, other popular comic book characters like that just that felt, felt like something you'd see in like a mad comic like making a bunch of like dumb corny parodies of famous superheroes like that felt very mad esque to me like, I, I don't hate the story. Like, I just kind of love It's just boring. Thing. I just... Yeah?
0: I just didn't really feel like Tails had his own personality. He just felt, he like, doesn't. sonic,
1: but younger, I guess. Yeah, they really... They like to bring up a lot. Gallagher is like, I'm not a little kid. I'm a grown-up. And I guess he, he did grow up some with the stupid brain fruit thing. But good lord, it gets so tiring. I, I think I said it to you... I think what annoyed me about the Tales miniseries as well is coming off of, like, Saturday M and, uh, to a lesser extent, Adventure Sonic, which we had watched, like, uh, before we read through this comic. It just felt jarring, going from, like, sweet little young tales from the cartoons to a tales that was very clearly written by a grown-ass man, and it's just... So assertive the fact that he's not a little kid he's a grown boy he can d- he's independent he can do what he wants and then immediately of course gets screwed over and needs help because of course God forbid tails be useful and independent <laughs> I, I think I said in my notes I, I owe forces apology this is my least favorite portrayal of Tails, honestly uh, God, yeah I, yeah p- putting tails' portrayal aside. There is some other neat bits of lore. Like, we get the introduction of a new villain that works under... Like, a new villain that has a personality of uh, his own. That is not just, like, a one-off bad guy that Sonic defeats in, like, the issue he comes in. And he's, like, a villain... Like, he's not, like... Crockbot is not, like, that deep of a villain. Like, it's he's a fun, pretty typical... Yeah, he is. A, it's, like, a very, like, stereotypical Aussie villain... And I at least find the idea of him wanting to try and uh, take over Robotnik's position and steal his robots with the image. <laughs> One if you gagged, it did crack me up, the image of him stealing the SWAT bots is a before and after of the SWAT bots. Like, before is it the regular SWAT bot and after is just, he puts a little Australian cap on it. <laughs> To represent him brainwashing them. It's, it's, yeah. (laughs) That genuinely cracked me up just how stupid it looked. (laughs) Yeah, he's, like, a fine enough villain. I also like the designs of his flying dingo robots. Yeah. And as lame and weird as, like, the, some of the Freedom Fire designs look like. Especially the 45 Freedom Fires who are just aquatic animals that look like something out of a, again, Hanna-Barbera cartoon. (laughs) Like, I at least like the idea of this with them in the Aussie, I mean, down under uh, Freedom Fires. Like, it's basically just Australia. Even though neither of them are really that characterized. Like, the only characterization that stands out is Guru Emu, who is basically... What, like, the stereotypical hippie character. I hated until he, him. Like, suddenly, I hated him so much. Yeah, I hated him, too, until he, like, he suddenly snapped at the end and came super violent and just wanted to blow up Crock-Bot as he was escaping. Like, that, that cut me off guard. Like, I know it's, like, a classic kind of, like, bait-and-switch gag thing, but it's still, like, at least it's got a laugh out of me, kind of. But, like, the rest of the Down Under Freedom Fighters... Are just kinda there, like they don't really get characterized that much, I'd say. And you're all right that like Tails doesn't it doesn't feel like this is much of a Tails mini series. Like he's just gets wrapped up he just kinda gets thrown into things and for the most part like other people are doing a lot of the work or do or take over as like to like give exposition like with the Echidna stuff. Like it doesn't really have much to do with Tails, really.
0: The last thing I do want to mention though is the cover. Like, the other covers are fine other than one of Tails looking worried and it's just really weird looking. But the last cover of the mini series is of Crockbot in a oh, yeah. his tank. And for some reason Crockbot is hope insanely off model, looking super <laughs> real, photoreal- not photorealistic, but like way more detailed than he actually is and it just co- is completely out of place from <laughs>
1: everything else. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of disappointing. Like I know not all of these covers are representative of what happens inside, but this looks way cooler than the confrontation we get at the end. And I love the design for this Crocbot. Like I, when I first like saw this, I always seemed like, oh, Crocbot transforms, and this is like the final fight, and something an Altair comes in to help Tails, but not even close it is not representative at all of the what happened at the end and it does not look anything <laughs> like the crockbot in the comic itself it's, it's weird there's one more fun fact i want to bring up about uh the new character altair uh fair er. thank you owl. uh he is possibly like the only archie character to make an appearance outside of sad am Given he actually did appear in an episode of Sonic Underground, as oh, also
0: my God,
1: yeah. Oh, there goes the picture. Well, that's <laughs> what his design looks like. It's just underground knuckles with a blue robe, green glasses, and a staff. It's really stupid
0: looking. I'm gonna be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as racist looking as it's his still design and dumb is. looking, but it still looks really stupid. <laughs> Uh, well, if we ever talk about Underground, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, I, It's just weird to me to see Knuckles having a live relative, much less a great-grandfather as well. <laughs> Issue 30, the Uncle Chuck,
0: as I <laughs> mistakenly... The Uncle Chuck. As I mistakenly read it as... Sonic reminisces about Uncle Chuck after having a dream where he's stuffed to the brim with chili dogs, having too much to eat. Meanwhile, Robotnik has repaired the trans-dimensional transporter he used to imprison King Acorn, though through meddling accidentally gets himself transported into the void. It's later elaborated on in issue 36 that despite the same technology being used, this is a separate dimension from that which King Acorn has been imprisoned in and is the void and not The Zone of Silence. Snively, being opportunistic, decides to hell with him and decides to take over, believing he can crush the Rebellion far better than Robotnik ever could. Meanwhile, it's revealed that Uncle Chuck was accidentally teleported outside of Robotropolis and has free will again. He opts to help the Freedom Fighters as a spy. Snively engages in his own plan to destroy the Freedom Fighters by constructing a new plane that contains a portal into the Void, which he then uses to kidnap Sonic and also level the nearby forest. This is interrupted, however, by a bot plane, revealed to be piloted by Uncle Chuck attacking Snively, as well as him dropping down Robotnik into Snively's plane, as it's revealed Uncle Chuck rescued him from the Void under the promise that he would not harm the Freedom Fighters or Snively, and the story wraps up with more jokes about Sonic enjoying chili dogs. We also get the story Who Keeps Stealing My Chaos Emeralds? Robana complains that someone is stealing emeralds from under his nose and sends coconuts out to try and intercept them. Slapstick hijinks ensue and it's revealed that Bunny Rabot had taken them to accept r- accessorize for a charity dance. I, I don't know how- what to say in this recap. That's about it. It's only four pages yeah. long.
1: <laughs> It just feels like page filler, the second story. And it's also just... I know, not to think too much on it. MST Free K Mantra. Repeat yourself, it's just a comic, I should just relax. But it's just weird to me that... Chaos Emerald just still just... Chaos Emerald lore is just so weird in this comic. It's so
0: inconsistent, like basically everything in Sonic at this point.
1: Yeah, it's... It also, like we said before... The emeralds... Like, not everything about the emeralds, like, was clear at the time, but they still existed, were used multiple times, and were different colors, so it's weird to see them still use just green emerald rocks that do whatever the plot needs it to, basically. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, the first story, for the most part, I like. There was... I think, the two gripes I have is one that, like things get a little too fast-paced. Like, the Uncle Chuck thing just feels kind of sudden. Like, he just gets caught in the crossfire of, like, the Robotnik being captured and snively deciding to take over thing, and he's back to normal now. Uh, no issue, really. And he's working alongside the your front like, I'm not complaining too much because Uncle Chuck's awesome. Yeah. The other issue is... They really like to remind us that Sonic likes chili dogs. Did you know that Sonic loves chili dogs? Chili dogs are so good. He just loves to bring them up every other fucking page. I... It's uh, it's just something that just annoys me in general with 90s American Sonic. Just how much they bring up this love of chili dogs. Because it happens a lot in Underground too. To an obnoxious extent that made it, this aspect kind of wear thin on me a bit. Ugh. It doesn't ruin the story, but it just gets repetitive hearing. Like, we get it. It's like, you like his chili talks. Ugh.
0: Yeah, I did think it was just really weird how it's sudden. like, oh, Uncle Chuck's saved now. It's like very yeah. abrupt. And like the cover, again, is meant to be like Sonic hiding in an alleyway, and um, Uncle Chuck is looking for him menacingly, and so I thought, oh, this is going to be a more serious story. No, it's just Snively snaps and takes over, and Uncle Chuck is fine now.
1: And I was like, Yeah, that was a show of Mutsky. He didn't even show up in this. Yeah, Mutsky's just nowhere. I really like the cover for this, and it kind of disappointed me that it's not entirely representative of the story itself. That was me with twenty nine
0: with the Sally mm. cover. Fair enough.
1: I do. I kind of like the Snively plot line, but at the same time, it's a little jarring given the last time Robotnik was captured. Like I don't know, like in the it like the last time Robotnik was vanished. He was an absolute mess. But, at, and of course, like, when he comes back to realize, oh, great, my boss is back. It goes back to re- realizing, maybe I shouldn't be careful what I wish for. So I guess I kind of get it, But it's also just weird to me, because, like, he goes from having, like, a weird He's thing. also, like,
0: amenable. Like...
1: He, like, he calls him a big doof
0: in that story as well. Like, he's, like, he, like, enjoys working under Robotnik because the whole joke is yeah. that, like, he doesn't really know how to think for himself, and so he enjoys being subservient to Robotnik, but then we have him being, like, I'm done with this
1: shit, and it's, like, what? Yeah, like, I don't mind this concept. I just wish it was built up more besides just, like, that throwaway gag from... Like, a throwaway line from the issue where Robotnik comes back where he's like, Ah, great, my bot robotnik's back Like be careful like give away what you wish for. But like because like with Snippy after that there's kind of he goes back to just being kind of there to be bounce off of Robotnik and not really grovel, but like do what he commands and just kinda of there. So it just feels weird to see him go like, Oh, I'm gonna fucking destroy all of Mobius I don't care if this plan is insane. I'm doing what you can't, boss. Like <laughs> it's just weird to see him like be that crazed to the point where Robotnik needs to team up with the crew briefly to stop him.
0: We also get and-
1: Egon, was, it's a fun story. Gonna, that's just what I was going to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we also get a sneak peek of the next special, but we're just going to skip past that because we're about to cover that special, oh, yeah. being the Knuckles Chaotix Issue 1 special, main story, The Chaos Effect. Uh, I didn't even notice a sneak peek before. An amusement park is opened up on Angel Island, much to Knuckles' chagrin. The owner, Renfeld T. Roden, ends up leading all of the freedom fighters into the Hall of Mirrors. Who, aside from Knuckles, who just loses his natural ability to use his dreadlocks to glide as well as his strength. Oh, yes. gets it's trapped it's in the mirrors because it was an obvious trap from the get-go while trying to figure out what to do knuckles ends up running into charming to be Espio a chameleon vector to crocodile of whom it's ambiguous as if he and knuckles still know each other because in a story we skipped they did end up knowing each other but he, we don't know because he's too busy rapping because it's the 90s <sighs> <sighs> uh Mighty Armadillo and the robot companions, Heavy and Bomb, the latter two of which Knuckles has apprehension towards trusting. This apprehension is assuaged by revealing that Robotnik had built them too well to the point they became self-aware and ditched him, giving the heroes (laughs) their cache of power gems to help with defeating the Doctor. Robotnik's gloating is interrupted by a declaration of war from Knuckles, to which Robotnik responds by sticking a recently upgraded Metal Sonic on them. The heroes quickly gain the upper hand until Metal Sonic abruptly powers up into Metal Sonic Kai, the Red Titan that served as the final boss of the Knuckles Chaotix video game, playable on your Sega 32X. Knuckles uses one of the power gems to grow to giant size and fight him on equal grounds. The fight takes a turn as Metal Sonic Kai crashes into the Hall of Mirrors, but, despite what one might assume, this freeze the Freedom Fighters instead, and Knuckles uses his newly restored physical strength to finish him off before the two shrink back to regular size. Robotnik flees on one of the rocket roller coasters, because comic books, and Renfield is left to be captured by our heroes and arrested by a cop that looks like a Muppet. Uh, Sonic suggests <laughs> yeah, that the group... Sonic suggests that the group form their own team, but they all vehemently refuse. Still, Sonic dubs them the Chaotix, and we wrap up the story with a group pose and a call to write in for more stories. We also have Tag You're It, misspelled Your, where the Chaotix crew have a lighthearted gang of tag and get momentarily interrupted when Mespio stumbles into a mysterious stranger. But we're not covering that, because we haven't gotten to the point where we're covering the Knuckles plotline yet, so blah blah, 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 We also get a story that is directly part of the plotline, which we're also skipping.
1: I like how that story resolves, like, no way! And then immediately it's followed up by the rest of the chaos, saying Knuckles Knuckles hanging out together, just, like, working together, <laughs> like... That, yeah. I don't know why they have that... Like, I know why Knuckles at least would be against it, given, like, he's a loner. But, like, it's just weird to me that the rest of them are against the idea, you know, like, immediately that's disregarded, and they work together as a team anyway and hang out together. <laughs> I, I kind of like this story. I got I, I like I a lot of the I didn't care Knuckles for it stuff. myself. What?
0: I wasn't too into it myself. I just thought it was kind of boring. Eh, fair. I... I... Like, I just wasn't really interested in the general concept because it didn't really feel like much was mm. going on with it. And I'm showing my bias again Metal Sonic looks absolutely awful. For some reason, they gave him a mouth and it looks absolutely awful. And then, like, when he transforms into his giant robot form, it just comes out of nowhere because it felt like, oh, Right, this is meant to be a chaotic adaptation, that's the thing that happens in Chaotix, right? And then they fight, and then it's just like,
1: what? I mean, to be fair, what can you really adapt from Knuckles' Chaotix? Like, it's a very... I know. Like, I don't blame them for struggling with this, because there really is nothing much to that game. And, like, the whole Metal Sonic Kai thing just also comes out of nowhere in the game itself, too. I like, guess a weird thing. Like, as cool as the design looks. Like, it is kind of jarring in there, too. How he just suddenly turns into a big, freaky-looking monster metal. Oh, oh yeah. I was looking at the metal design in this. They give him a mouth. And, like, actual eye. Like Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, that is, that, I don't like this design for Like, it's more Sonic-like. But it also just looks off. It just feels like
0: other ones like this island hedgehog in which it just kind of feels like they're just going through the motions being like here's this thing from the mm-hmm. game and then this thing and it's like it ties into something i almost forgot to mention is that at this point, Sonic just has Youngblood Syndrome in which they're constantly introducing new teams and groups of characters <laughs> that we're expected to give a shit about. Because, like, we have the Arctic Mobians, the 40 Fathoms Freedom Fighters, the Down Under Division of Freedom Fighters, and now the Chaotix. And, I mean, I like the Chaotix, but not because
1: of this. <laughs> Fair. I, I, like I said, I, I was at least fine with the first story. The second story is- Kind of just kind of there, I guess, to show off more of the chaotics themselves, Sans Knuckles. But like, it's it's neat to see them together, and also, I sometimes just forget that Mighty was in this game as well, so I just associate him with Sega Sonic. But never weird little detail. For some reason, they heavily redesigned both Bomb and Heavy. Like, what's being weird is, I didn't realize this because I didn't see this in, like, when I was reading through the last issue. We see the game designs of Bomb and Heavy in Robotnik's monitor. Like, where he's, like, it's showing, like, all of the members of the Chaotix and the rat guy as, like, Robotnik sets up his plans. And it's it's, like, the normal design for those two. So, I don't know why they changed them. Like, Heavy looks like a rope like a completely different robot like i'm not sure how to describe him but bomb is just like this little cartoon like cartoon emoticon guy with that does not speak but he goes in ping and he blows himself up and but like heavy says like oh he can come back like bomb can do this and like can pull himself back together later so I guess Bomb it just okay. looks
0: like it came out of like a Hanna Barbera Pac
1: Man cartoon. Yeah. Honestly, like it's it looks kind of like the the Orbonaut guys. Like it looks like them, but with a mouth, which is just weird to me. I don't get. I I don't get it. It looks. I, I don't like these designs. <laughs> and also I also just forget <laughs> just how the Chaotix used to look. At least like the the trio of Chaotix. Like I'm kind of used to Espio's design. Like I've seen it a few times, but it's also still weird. Because I'm just used to the more smoother, like, modern version. And uh, Vector just looks off to me because I'm used to him being so top-heavy and buff. And, and Charmy... Charmy's about the same as he is in Chaotic and, like, uh, modern Sonic. He's just not... As, he doesn't repeat himself a lot as he does in, like, Heroes and Shadow, thankfully. Ugh.
0: Just, uh, For now. Ugh. God, don't... <laughs> Yeah, but I just I just was not really that interested yep, in fair. the story, unfortunately. But we do go into another story, unfortunately, another story that I'm not <laughs> particularly fond of. Issue 31: A robot rides the rails. Oh yeah, this one. Sally, despite Nicole's protesting, ends up hopping onto a moving train of Robotniks One carrying a new super robot known as the Dynamax 3000. The rest of the Freedom Fighters hop onto a newly modified plane to follow after her. Sonic gets briefly stunned by a swat bond's laser, and Jeffrey St. John re-enters the story being a fucking creep by wrapping his hands around Sally from behind, Mm. faking out the reader into thinking it was a villain from the shadows, and then just continues to be gross by kissing Sally on the lips before even explaining why he's here. Mm. And as mentioned in the Sonograms, he's now speaking with an Australian (laughs) accent and using Australian slang. Sonic is able to catch up with the train right as the failsafe activates the Dynamac itself, and the crew needs to work together to account for the mecha's strength and adaptability. There's a good amount of detail into like what its weaknesses are, what its strategies are, but we're already going to have a very long episode here, so forgive my brevity. The Freedom Fighters manage to take down the Dynamac, and while looting the train for supplies, Jeffrey once again kisses Sally in a panel I can only describe as uncanny, <laughs> and the comic ends with some love triangle bullshit as Sonic clearly expresses jealousy about
1: the situation. <sighs> don't like the story. I don't like it either. I know there's like another Knuckle story that we can't really talk about yet. Do you want to bring up the rotor... Something. No, let's just talk about this first. Okay.
0: Let's just con- linger yeah. on
1: this first. If... Um-
0: Yeah, this is the point where we're starting to have Pender's art start to crack, I feel, because otherwise it was fine. But now we're getting points where I feel like the characters are just frequently off-model and the proportions keep changing on characters. Like, Sally just sometimes just starts looking more human-like, and as I alluded to earlier, there's a scene where the two of them are kissing and they just look much more anthropomorphic and human in a way that even I, as a furry, find uncomfortable.
1: Right. Antron also looks a little weird. He's got, like, the regular, like, big, rounded eyes rather than his, like, tiny little beady ones, which is kind of jarring.
0: Also, I just did not want Jeffrey to return. I don't... Like, I was, like, <laughs> reasonably decent on him in the Sally miniseries but that's because it was a self-contained story and I didn't want to keep having him show up <laughs> and now he's showing up more and I don't care. Yeah,
1: i known about Jeffrey beforehand and like this was why I was so nervous about him when we were going through the miniseries because he's just I just do not give <sighs> I just do not like love triangle bullshit and I just find him to be annoying and kind of creepy. It's just how Affectionate he is to Sally, especially since like the way it's drawn just looks weird. I mean, like it's, it doesn't help that Jeffrey himself like kind of goes like frozen face sometimes. Like he, like he just looks like it looks like a Disney cartoon character, like older Disney, but like mixed in with an anthropomorphic design, so it just looks off. Like sometimes the art looks fine. Other times, it just looks kind of creepy, because almost, like, like they're, they're humans in costumes, you know? Like, they're wearing a furry bodysuit and have mascot heads, and it just looks gross. Especially with
0: how they have more human, like, head shapes, with, like right. the jaw lines. That's really a
1: part that makes it so weird and uncomfortable looking. I think I would like the story more if it just wasn't for Jeffrey, because, like, the rest of it, like, the fight's fine, and I'd like like the action itself I just don't like Jeffrey well so one thing I did want to note was I we it's been brought up before but like Nicole's a lot more had a bit more personality like she's at the start of the issue like you have some banter between her and Sally with Nicole warding her uh, trying to get her to like uh, not go with this risk and like sally ignoring her like and nicole's getting annoyed with it like i kind of like this portrayal of nicole of her actually then remembering oh yeah nicole is not just a computer she's an ai with like that's developed sentience and is friends with sally so i kind of like this portrayal of nicole and hope we see more of in the future the next story
0: tundra road Rodor is woken up by a cry from help from his mom via an old walkie-talkie she had given to him as a gift. He ends up using his bathysphere submersible from way back in the miniseries to make his way through yet another maze the reader is implored to follow before ending up at the frozen North Sea, a.k.a. his hometown. Reminiscing over his mom and baby brother Skeeter... He realizes that everyone is under a trance and learns that this is Robotnik's doing as he detonated a Neuron Bomb to begin his takeover of the frozen North Sea. Robotnik intended to melt the polar ice caps to flood the world, but due to budgetary reasons ended up deciding to build a gigantic freezer to freeze the world instead. Rotor is found out by the SWAT bots, and the story ends on this issue on a cliffhanger as he's knocked out and thrown into the ocean, but in issue 32, it picks up and Rotor is quickly saved by the Arctic Mobians from earlier in the episode. They team up and use a literal Trojan horse to destroy the SWAT bots, but are unable to undo the brainwashing on all of the others, and the all of Rotor's family and the various other brainwashed Mobians are left stranded on an ice floe. <laughs> The story ends with Rotor placing a tracking device on them and the Arctic Mobians promise to keep watch on them as uh, Rotor heads back for Knothole.
1: Eh.
0: It's just kind of there. I eh. I liked the... redesigned the SWAT bots to have, like, yeah, ice cube heads cute. because they reminded me of the robot
1: made from the Jetsons. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, those penguins from po- uh, I think it was, like... Uh, not Scarlet and Violet. Uh... Sword and shield, like the ice block guys. I forget their name. Yeah. Ice Q, that's it. Yeah. Ice Q, yeah. I guess it's fine. It's it's a Rotor story, so I think we said in Sad AM Rotor is just not that interesting of a character in Ivor version. But at least like I don't know, like it's an okay story, like it's sort of high stakes, but it's still Gallagher, writing, so it's still pretty wacky. But also, just the way that end kind of caught me off guard with it just leaving it open ended with, like, I got them away from Robotnik, but they're still brainwashed and stuck on an ice flow. So I guess we'll get back to them eventually. It's just so weird (laughs) to just, like, no real, like, resolution. Also, one thing in the
0: Sonic Grams at this section that. I was very confused about, but feel like I vaguely remember, is that for the Western release of Sonic CD, they called Amy Sally, apparently I did not know, but let I me mean, let me just read this up there one person writes in asking about like the guide they have for Sonic CD and it shows Amy but calls her Sally, oh. and so they write in about their confusion, and the editor says. Um, as Sonic, Hi Melissa, my Sega C D game was originally created by Sega in Japan. In that game the pink hedgehog was named Amy Rose. When the game was introduced in the US and Canada Sega decided to call her Princess Sally. However, since she looks nothing like the Princess Sally we know and love from my comic and ABC TV show, the gang at Archie Comics decided they would avoid confusion by using her original name.
1: Confusing. I guess it makes I like it's a strategy guy, that kind of shit happens varying degrees so weird little bit of trivia to learn about and then we get into issue 32
0: blast from the past fleeing from swatbots sonic stumbles into Mutski, his roboticized pet dog he ends up calming him down in a parallel to the sad am pilot but is unable to bring him back home as uncle chuck sends the SWAT bots off using a remote control saying that Mutsky still lacks his free will, and it would actually be very dangerous for Sonic to have him nearby. Anyway, the gang stumble into a caveman, and a hijinks ensue as they thaw him out. After Bunny tries to communicate with the caveman through picture, the caveman leaves for the mountain range to try and find their family. Sonic saves him from the SWAT bots that pursued, and the scuffle ends up restoring Mutsky's free will as Mutsky ended up slamming into a wall. Again, it ties into the point of it feels yeah. like they just abruptly decided that Mutsky now, alongside Uncle yeah, it's Chuck, are just kind fine. of
1: disappointing. Just how quickly and easily these things are resolved. Like I know it's still kind of early enough, and like they haven't fully transitioned into the drama. But I don't know. Like a bit more tension, or something a bit more. Like it's just kind of a afterthought. Like oh yeah, he's saved. Like ah. Uh, I like the story's fine. Like, I... It's a I, pretty I, typical, like, caveman more and cartoon tropes. Story.
0: Yeah, it's just more like. cartoon tropes that I don't particularly care for. Mm.
1: I was kind of surprised that, like, the caveman actually wasn't an, an antagonist. Like, I was assuming, like, with the cover, and you know, we see, like, Mutsky, the swap bots, and the caveman uh, coming down on Sonic as, like, him and Sour hanging from the ledge. I was assuming, like, it was going to be, like, one big confrontation on, like, the ice area wherever this is and with all these parties attacking but no it's just kind of a standard caveman in the present day story I don't have much to say about this
0: or the next issue so we'll just wrap up this episode with issue 33 oh wait no this one yeah let's get small All of the freedom fighters except Sonic is sick. Sonic uses the shrink ray from before to shrink him down to really small size to fight evil French germs called parasites and flaming fevers. The antibodies, depicted as literal antis, uh, end up dealing with the fevers, and honestly I don't want to talk about this story more than I have to. It's really gross, and it's just a really uninteresting plotline that, again, is more cartoon tropes again. Again, again.
1: Yeah, I'll just—I won't go into too much detail too, about the story at least. But this was the point when I was just fed up with Coward's bullshit. I know this is a kid's comic. I know. I—I like, I try not to be too harsh, but kids good deserve God. better. Yes, that's what I said earlier. Like, kids deserve better than this crap. I ain't putting aside the gross stuff. Like, there's just so many lame gags, like the French virus, like the auntie bodies, as well as just, like, the fact that this happened because the Freedom Fighters, were like, needed something to eat. And, like, because apparently all they have in the fridge which just old chili dogs. For some reason, they decided to order from a fast food joint that, ...appeared recently that was very clearly from Robotnik... ...it's just so fucking stupid. I... It's also where I... Like, as I mentioned earlier... ...knowing that this guy used to work on Mad... ...explains a lot... ...because, like, both the humor and the gross-out stuff... ...especially from Michael Gowergurk specifically... ...given, like, there's a... ...a certain comic from him from Mad... ...that is very gross that... reminiscent of this comic I know this story it explains a lot like I said Uh, I hate this story I hate this story so fucking much dude also
0: the Sonic ends up going to microscopic size by powering the shrink ray into Rotor's computer and then uses the grow function to go back to normal and I honestly thought given it was still shown to be plugged into his computer we're just gonna have a joke where Sonic just grows too big and I was like oh yeah. that's gonna be pretty funny but no then it's just another joke about chili dogs cause they make chicken yes. soup but it's made with chili dogs um <sighs> and then we go into the final story of this episode Sonic shot we're skipping another Knuckles subline An- another th- we skip another <laughs> no- <laughs> God damn it <laughs> we skip yet another Knuckles plotline and move into the final story, Sonic Shot. The Freedom Fighters are playing ice hockey, and Snivelly joins in with SWAT bots in tow, wanting to take a break from having to be evil all the time. Though he promises no tricks, Robotnik decides to up the ante by wagering the winner take all bet, in which the Freedom Fighters win their freedom, and Robotnik in turn wins complete subordination. Snively just wanting to have fun is relieved that the Freedom Fighters end up winning this game. It's just a nice little fluff page yeah. filler as Vespa put it. I do like, again, this more nuanced take of Snively that Penders is continuing to do that he's just like, I don't want to have to deal with being evil all the time. I just want to play hockey. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is kind of interesting. I just felt I got, I like the story, but it is kind of jarring going... Like, again... Go from, like, snivelly having no idea what to do without Robotnik to him getting fed up and wanting to steal his uh, steal his role of Big Bad to I don't want to be a bad guy sometimes. I sometimes just want to hang out and have some fun because Robotnik's a uh, killjoy and bans fun. It's
0: just the but problem yeah. with writing in comics in general mm. is that we have multiple writers.
1: Characters are not always going to be written consistently. Yeah, paraphrase... Paraphrase Sonic Lost Road, Sniffly's a complicated guy. Mm. I fucking hate Lost Road so much. (laughs) I fucking hate that line so much. (laughs) It's just what I was thinking of in the back of my mind. Like, first you're trying to stop us, and now you're helping us. I'm a complicated guy. Fucking Lost Road. (laughs) <laughs> and then the comic Anyway.
0: <laughs> the comic <laughs> wraps up with a preview for a new special titled Supersonic vs. Hyper Knuckles, but we're gonna cover that in the next episode as we move into the opinion zone. <laughs> 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 that's, the, that's the email that's the song they use for the email section in Let's Fight a Boss. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's hard to say my opinion on this because I feel like my opinions on this batch as a whole I can easily articulate, but putting it to just this section here that we're covering on this episode, I don't really know how to put it. I think I just think it sucks, though. Like, I said that at the top that it just feels like the story is just spinning its tires. Like, We've got some ideas of storylines going on, but we also just have a lot of fluff that's just not really that interesting. I mm. I was just getting a bit frustrated reading this. Also, they did my boy Metal Dirty. Damn it, Gallagher.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think I'm kind of the same boat as you. Like I, besides some of the tale stuff, I they're they were just kind of a forgettable batch, and like it. I didn't know much about these stories going in, so... Like, when I saw the covers, I was thinking, like, Oh, shit, this is when things start to really pick up. But, no, we're still just kind of in that transitory phase. And I feel disappointed for hyping everyone up, like, beforehand. Like, oh, man, this is when the comic starts to pick up the base. And it kind of does. Sometimes. Other times, we get issue 33. Yeah. <laughs> like that that story is just like the benchmark of how bad these comics can get, I feel like mm-hmm. at least like how this early bad early stuff can get, but like why well, I don't hate this batch as much as I think you do i do can I can't agree that it is a pretty dull batch of stories like a lot of pretty typical like comic or not not so much comic but like cartoon tropes you've seen a dozen times and we'll see a dozen more. Played out the way you kind of expect them to. A lot of lame gags. That's most of my. Not great. Most of my hate for this. I don't even say
0: hate. I think it's a strong word. Again, it's just a matter of it's I tend fair. to speak very passionately, and it's easily like construed as me hating things way more than I actually do. I did also Same. just think it's a dull batch, honestly. And my frustration is Agreed. just like I genuinely thought at the end of the previous episode. That we're in the transitionary period of finally phasing this stuff out. And right here, mm-hmm. I could be wrong again, given we haven't read ahead yet, but I'm pretty confident at this point, given what I've been spoiled on, that this is like the last bit of like episodic guff. And it's like frustrating <laughs> because of that, you know? It's just frustrating. Mm-hmm because we get so many interesting covers, especially because at this point, Spaziante has basically fully taken over cover duty, and he does really good covers, but then it's just yeah. also a matter of a lot of them are very misleading, because that's just how comics are, especially in this era.
1: Yeah, make him look much cooler to Thalia on it. Mm. But man, yeah. It, I think that's also part of the issue, too, is like we get these pretty big status quo change of like, oh, more Freedom Fighters are joining and, oh, Knuckles is teaming up with Chaotix and Uncle Chuck and Mutsuki are joined the Freedom Fighters and have been reformed. But, like, it just feels like some of this stuff is just kind of an afterthought or isn't as interesting as you'd think. Like, the Freedom Fighters are just kind of more nobodies. Don't really have much outside of their design, usually, and sometimes they're just kind of a one-note joke, like guru-imu. Yeah. Like, I don't like using words that...
0: I don't like assuming malice or incompetence in anyone, but right. a lot of Dispatch just felt half-hearted. Like, just <laughs> plodding through plot beats from people who, um, don't really care about Sonic. And I do need to qualify that with I don't think that's how the writers felt with this.
1: It's just what it feels like going through this. <laughs> I get that, especially with, like, the, the two, like, with the adaptations, really, because, like, it's, it it kind of just, feel like, there's points, where, like, okay, we gotta do, like, the mandatory advertise the game thing for the free specials. And then just go back to, like, our regular uh, scheduled Sonic comic uh, shenanigans. Because it's just feels really, like, there's, like, these giant bits, like, oh, here's a thing from the games. Like, in the, we didn't bring it up during the chaotic issue, but, like, they shove in stuff like the power-ups and the combiner ring during the Metal Sonic fight. But it's just, like, a, a very quick thing for, like, a panel or two before they move on. Like if It reminds me of when, like, Knuckles Sonic thing. just inexplicably
0: gets his insta-shield in this island hedgehog, yeah, was like, it's just, like, bam, 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 like, here's, like, this element from the game, and here's this, like, object from the game, and it's just, like, d- did you just play the game for, like, five minutes and go, here's this thing that we're gonna feature, and then this thing
1: that we're gonna feature, like, d- <laughs> it's just right. not interesting to read. I feel like it's probably just, like, a mandatory thing. Like, you gotta make sure you have this, this, and this in your, uh, special issue so we can sell the whatever game there was being adapted for it.
0: But with that, we move on to a new section, the rankings, the st- the stage rankings. a new section where we're gonna highlight our favorite and least favorite issues of the comic, just because I thought it'd be neat to give its own section. For this batch, it's hard for me to say what my A rank, my favorite uh issue is. I would probably say issue twenty seven though, because I do like I did like really like that idea of what if Sonic got amnesia and was told Mm. by Robotnik that he's on his side, because I do like what if stories those are some of my favorite things and again the stakes in that were like actually pretty severe given sonic is a seasoned fighter at this point he's very powerful very fast and so Mm -hmm. you sick him on the freedom fighters that's very dangerous you know So I i thought that was an interesting story even if i did feel like it deflated itself with issue 28 in my head i like the idea of I don't know how it would be paced, would be, like, 27 has that going on, maybe even just, like, building up to it for the entire issue. 28 has, like, the main fight, and then 29 ends up having, like, Sal get roboticized, and then they gotta figure out how to deal with that and undo it. But, like, ah, whatever, it's wishful thinking. Um, my... What is the low My D-rank, because that's the lowest ranking in Sonic. Uh, My My E-rank. E-rank. Yeah. My E-rank for least favorite issue would be, hands down, issue 25, tied up with issue 29 and second place, because, man, Metal Sonic deserved better. Uh, (laughs) And also, like we mentioned, the page layouts are just almost unreadable at points Mm. for 25, and in 29, we went into a lot about how really annoying all the characters' decisions are, how it doesn't make any sense, and, oh, God, why is Dulce here, you know?
1: Yeah. For my favorite issue, I'd say Sonic and Knuckles, honestly. Like, I know we said, like, this, for one thing, we didn't go over the second story because we got to save that player, and I know we said the Sonic and Knuckles, uh, like, adaptation did feel like kind of a retread of this island echidna, or whatever this it was island called. This island hedgehog. This island hedgehog, thank you. But honestly, I... I think what made this work for me is it's the like, most we get to see of Knuckles. Like it's because of my Knuckles bias. I fucking love Knuckles. He's one of been one of my favorite characters since I was a kid. I really think that like Pender's surprisingly nails for the most part how he would be betrayed later on. It's like this uh, gruff loner guy stuck on like the angel floating island who has like kind of a rocky history with Sonic. And, but, like, he still, like, is a good guy. Like, he keeps... He's very protective of his island. And he takes his role as the Guardian very seriously. Like, I very much appreciate how Penders handles him in this issue. And especially, like, how... I will get more into it when we talk about the Knuckles stuff later. But I... There's, the way he's portrayed in the second story also shows, like, some of his flaws. Like, his... Like, uh, he can get very, like riled up easily, and, like, gets fooled, like, as, as he brings up, like, in the first story, he's fooled easily, and doesn't like to be fooled, <laughs> like, messed with. Like I said, it's surprisingly prophetic of how Knuckles would be handled in some later stuff, both, like, the good and the bad, and I kind of enjoyed that, as well as just, like, even the story, the last story was kind of, like, a simple kind of page filler thing, it, it was kind of neat seeing More of this interpretation of uh, the floating island, where it's not just knuckles and the little critters you save from the badniks. Like there's like actual animals and things that happen on the floating island. Even if the dingoes look absolutely
0: nightmarish and pasted in, yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, The gone, yeah. Weird little thing like the. Like when Knuckles and the Kangaroo Kid are uh, looking, uh, getting back to the Kangaroo Kid's mom, they escape a pack of dingoes. But rather than like dingoes running on all fours, it's like a group of like dingoes running in like a, like a race or something for some reason.
0: Well, so it's meant to be a it's, stampede, but it just looks really yeah. awkwardly drawn in a way that's really funny.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like I like I said, I love Knuckles, and I think this story did like some did them surprisingly well unsurprisingly least favorite issue is issue 33 with (laughs) the runner-up being the tales. I think I wrote down the tales miniseries, but I think it's more the tales story that leads into it that I fucking hated 33 specifically the let's get small story. I again, gross out aside, I'm just tired of fantastic voyage stories in general. It's a played out concept in my mind. it's just, a lot of lame jokes that feel like something from the start of this. I be- generally believe that, like, even if you're a kid, you deserve better than, like, lame jokes about viruses and antibodies.
0: <laughs> but that's gonna do it for this episode of Title Pandering. Tune in to the next episode where we wrap up this arc, go through an entire mini-series in which the word count of it is about the length of a previous episode of ours and end up with the fall of Robotropolis. Stay pendering, penderheads.
1: Gotta choose.